Praise God, everybody. It's good to be with you here on Wednesday night, our midweek Bible study. So thankful that you have uh, connected with us, whether that's through the uh, platform of YouTube or Facebook. We're just so grateful to have you live streaming in this service tonight. Uh, praise the Lord. I, I got it on a pretty good authority that we're going to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Here, I'm going to have it right here. You're going to have it right there. And together, we're going to experience the Lord tonight. Amen. Let me have a quick word of prayer and we'll just, uh, we'll just get going. Father, I thank you once again to be in your house, but to be connected to your church, to the people of God. I pray, Lord God, that you may be honored by the worship that takes place, by the teaching of the word that takes place, and we thank you that your hand is upon us in everything that we do, and you watch over us, and we don't need to worry, we don't need to panic, we don't need to fear, you have us, and we are so grateful for that. So Lord, we give you honor and glory tonight in the name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, I wanted to just give a, a to, to start with, give a little bit of a COVID update, I guess we should call it. Uh, as you know, uh, in many different spots uh, across the globe, uh, coronavirus is running rampant. I mean, in India right now, it's, it's an absolute travesty, the things that are happening over there. But we're also experiencing it to a degree right here at home. We have a large number of people that have uh, tested co positive COVID uh, in, in our church. That's why we're not having in-person services. When it started, uh, we only had a small handful and we had decided that uh, we would take a two-week break from in-person services. But every day, it seemed that there was one more added and one more added and another person and then another person and the numbers grew so fast uh, that we realized that, and we realized real quick that it was going to be a necessity to cancel our in-person services through the month of May. Now that being said, there are five Sundays in the month of May. And so Sunday, May 30th is the marked date right now for us to return uh, to in-person services. Please keep in mind that that's based on um, the numbers not increasing. If the numbers don't increase, then we're going to be able to uh, return to in-person services. I'm just so grateful and so thankful that um, it doesn't stop us. We're still able to connect right here, and we're going to share the Bible and share worship together. We're going to share together uh, in the community of Christ, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. Amen. We just need to pray real hard that this thing stop. Stop dead in its tracks. Pray against this, uh, this, not just the horrible disease, but the spirit of infirmity that is uh, gripping the globe right now and coming against this church. And I believe that it is a spiritual attack that's against Resurrection Life Church. It's happening on many fronts and from many different ways, even as I spoke about on Sunday morning. And so uh, we're going to stand together. We're going to believe. We're not going to have fear. We're going to have faith. We're not going to panic. We know how to pray. And we're not going to worry because we know who we worship. Amen? And so we're going to continue uh, to do that. Quick update. Um, Larry uh, Biersbach is up and down from day to day. Uh, we've had a couple of good days where it appeared that we were going to see a recovery. 
uh, and uh, then he would take a turn for the worse again. But it appears, at least at this point, based on my last uh, information, that he was beginning to start the journey, and a long journey it's supposed to be, of recovering and, and getting better. And that is exciting news, praise God. <clears throat> it has uh, been heavy upon my heart that, that we lost uh, Jason DeLeon to this horrible disease. And we have so many others that are sick, and then another brother that's uh, alone down in Kentucky um, that uh, is suffering from this uh, horrible spirit of infirmity as well. And so we're going to curse that together in the name of Jesus and just expect it to come to an end. I'm praying that you can agree with me on this in the name of Jesus, that we can stand together. And uh, I believe that I've asked that, that every day, whether that's at noon, morning, night, whenever, I'm not sharing, telling you to set an alarm for 12 o'clock at this point, but I want us to come together every day and curse the spirit of infirmity and the spiritual attack that has come against Resurrection Life Church. Amen. Can you stand with me on that? Praise God. And we're being attacked from all fronts, but praise the Lord. We know whom we serve, and he is a great God, and he's got us, and we win in the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. One of the things that is often uh, spoken and said many times at, a, at an end of a service is, uh, I speak a Psalm 91 blessing over you. There's some powerful words here in Psalm 91. I want you to grab your Bibles real quick. It's Bible study. You should have them with you. <laughs> grab your Bibles and open it, please, to the 91st Psalm, Psalm 91. Now, I am going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. It's still going to read very closely to probably anything, any other translation that you're looking at. But I want you to think about these words. When we speak, may there be a Psalm 91 blessing. I speak a Psalm 91 blessing over you. I wanted you to have an understanding of what that is because I believe that you need to be speaking it over yourself. You need to be speaking it over your family. You need to be speaking it over your church. I'm going to read that now. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Did you see that? He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day or of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, look here, nor will any plague come to your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 
And they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the, co the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. And you will trample them down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Hallelujah. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with a long life I will satisfy him. And let him see my salvation. I, I encourage you. You should read this passage of scripture every single day. You should pray this passage of scripture every single day. You should sing it if you can add a melody line to it. You need to get this so ingrained into your spirit that God has got you. Security is available to the one who trusts in the Lord. Amen. And so we're going to trust in the Lord in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, I thought it'd be good if we had, had a little bit of worship tonight. And so uh, we're going to get ready to do that. Let me grab my guitar. I've been thinking about this all day long. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, what songs that the Lord would have me bring in this service. And then, of course, he led me to speak to you all about Psalm 91. And what we have in a representation of Psalm 91 is the fact that we have a good, good father that watches over us and takes care of us. And he is with us at all times. So let's, we're going to sing this together right now. with me. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've seen many searching for
God. Just give him a praise offering right where you're at right now. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope that blessed you and lifted you up. I don't know whether you could tell or not, but it sure did me. <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's get ready to get into the word for a few minutes tonight. See what the Lord has for us. It is my desire 
that in these difficult times that you're able to experience the peace of the Lord. If you're looking for peace in the world or the world for your peace, you're never going to find it. We need the peace of the Lord. You're not going to find peace in any Facebook, any, any YouTube, uh, any news station, and any television program. You're only going to find peace through the Lord. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. Now these are the words of Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You can have the peace of the Lord. Jesus is saying that the peace that you need is not from the world. We need to be lifted up, elevated somehow above all the stuff that is going on around us. And we need to be elevated to, li- to see his purposes and, and to see his plans So we can find that tranquility and find that peace regardless of what's going on in the world around us and regardless of what's going on in your life personally. You can find the peace of the Lord. Praise God. There is none like our Lord. We can search for all eternity long, praise God, and we'll never find one. Tonight, I want us to continue our journey into the Word of God just for a few minutes Continuing to look at end time events and comparing them to the Old and the New Testament. Looking at both aspects of the scriptures to give us a beautiful picture and a very accurate picture of what the end times are going to be like. Some of the things that we'll review, uh, whether we get finished with it tonight or whether we have to carry it over into next week, but some of the things that we'll review are things that we have already talked about. But I believe that it's important to hear it again. Uh, So we're going to go back. We're going to visit the end time subject of the Great Tribulation. That's really what we're going to begin to talk about tonight. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, uh, going straight to the Old Testament, it says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, and he shall be saved out of it. Jesus referred to the great tribulation. It's known as Jacob's trouble in some translations or Jacob's distress in others. But it is the Hebrew phrase for what we call the great tribulation, Jacob's trouble. It's a time predicted that would come upon the earth that would be a time of great unrest and great upheaval, but that God's people would be saved from it. Hallelujah. Jesus refers to the prophet Jeremiah's prediction in Matthew 24. And it's in Matthew 24 that we see that his disciples ask him, saying, Jesus, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age. And he quoted not only referring to Jeremiah, but he quoted from the prophet Daniel. Jesus quoted the um, words of Daniel about what is known as the abomination of desolation. My point in telling you this is to recognize that when Jesus answered the question about end times, he referred back to Old Testament 
prophets in order to answer the question. He always went back to show that the Old Testament prophets were talking about the time in which we live today. Jesus linked what he taught back to the Old Testament prophets. This is a key point that I wanted you to get this evening. Looking in Matthew chapter 24, just two verses, verses 21 and 22, it says, For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. And if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days would be cut short. For the sake of the people of God, those days would be cut short. For the sake of the disciples of Jesus Christ, those days would be cut short. Now think about it. I want you to think about this. Jesus spoke about the fact that all these things were going to happen, wars and rumors of wars being hated for proclaiming faith in Jesus Christ, which we're, we're living in the midst of all that right now. Earthquakes. Are you kidding me? We're hearing reports of earthquakes in diverse places right now. Hello, diseases and pestilences. But he is saying that the days are going to be cut short for the elect's sake. What is this implying? And stay with me for a few minutes because what I'm about to say is going to stir some of you up a little bit, and that's okay. It's going to stir up some long-held doctrinal beliefs about end times events. What is being implied is that we, as God's people, are going to be on the earth during these days that Jesus spoke about. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because he said all these things are going to happen, they're going to happen, they're going to happen, but the days will be cut short. He didn't say he was taking us out of here before the days began. He said the days are going to begin, but in order to protect God's people and protect his people, the Lord says, I'm going to cut short for them. So we are eventually going to begin to talk more about the rapture, but what I don't believe, and I'm just going to be straight up with you all tonight, this is not a time to play around with the pulpit, but to bring the truth as I believe it on the revelation that the Lord has given me. As your pastor, that's my responsibility. And, I, and you all know that I uh, take it very seriously, and I, I seek God all the time to say, Lord, please don't allow me to err in your word, because people's eternity depends upon it. So I'm just going to be straight up with you all tonight. What I don't believe is that we're going to be taken out or rescued, per se, as soon as the bad things begin to happen or before the bad things begin to happen. Quite frankly, honestly, that goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ, especially in Matthew 24. And as I've said to you all many times, every, every thought, every doctrine, every theological point of view and teaching must bank on what Jesus said in Matthew 24 not Jeremiah, not Daniel, not Joel, not the Apostle Paul, not Peter, just what Jesus had to say. And if you'll look very, very closely, you'll find that all of those others, prophets and apostles, point toward Matthew 24 and the things that Jesus had to say. According to the doctrine and teachings of Jesus Christ, the church will be here on earth going through some very difficult times. 
I'm let that sink in for a minute because I, I want to say it again. According to the doctrine and the teachings of Jesus Christ, the church will be here to go through some very difficult times. Why in the world do you think that for nearly a year now, I've been teaching you on how to be prepared for the Lord's return? Because we have to be ready to go through some difficult times. We have to be ready to stand up for Jesus when others are abandoning the faith. We're living in a society today where Christianity is not welcomed, it is marginalized, and, and for believing in Jesus Christ, many people actually hate us. Listen to this, though. Even as Israel in Egypt, when the plagues were falling, <laughs> when all that stuff was coming down, somehow they were supernaturally protected right in the midst of it. And I believe with all my heart that so too the church will be here when things begin to unravel, but will be somehow by the grace and the power of God supernaturally protected and covered during these times. If you want to know that picture and taking a look at it, go back and read about the plagues in Egypt before they, they made their exodus, and you will find over and over again that all this, this happened over in Egypt, but it didn't happen in Goshen. This happened over all the Egyptians, but it didn't happen to the children of Israel. God has the supernatural ability to cover his kids, to cover his disciples, to help his children go through difficult times. Praise God. The pre-tribulation preacher would tell you that the church will be raptured. It'll already be gone. Uh, that it'll be taken into heaven before any of these things begin to happen. But beloved, I do not believe that that is correct. There, I said it. Especially when you examine the New Testament scriptures on the return of the Lord in harmony with the Old Testament prophets just as Christ did. That's what he did. When his disciples, excuse me, just got something in my eye. When his disciples asked us, tell us, Lord, when, what will be the sign of your return? And when will the end be? He went back to the Old Testament prophets to tell them his position on it. So let's continue on for a minute. The next major event to happen after wars and rumors of wars. Hello. Are you watching the news? Are you seeing all the things that's going on across the globe? Missiles being hurled over into other countries. Uh, Putin saying, don't you dare cross the red line. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the tenuous nature of society right now based on wars and rumors of wars. How about famines? Are you kidding? You can look in the news and you can see people starving to death, great famines everywhere, earthquakes. I mentioned it a minute ago. If you're, if you're staying on top of what's current events at all, you're going you're gonna to read about in, uh, earthquakes in various places. I mentioned this one, being hated for faith in Christ. Or the great falling away, which is also known as the apostasy, which means abandoning one's faith. There are top-tier ministry leaders in the land who are coming out publicly and abandoning their faith, saying, I am no longer a Christian. Listen, folks, this is happening. And it says, you know, abandoning faith, false, false Christ. So here, let me, let me recap real quick. The next event after these things, are you ready, brothers and sisters? 
is the rise of the Antichrist. That's the next step after all these things. We've all heard about the Antichrist. We've all heard about the mark of the beast, you know, 666. But an important question is when will the Antichrist show up on the scene? The Antichrist is going to arise when the world has lost its way. When the world and society loses its moral compass where it can no longer distinguish between right and wrong. Hello, we're seeing that happening right now. When sinfulness and wickedness reaches full maturity and, and infiltrates every fiber of society, sadly, even the church, it is in this environment that the Antichrist will be able to emerge and be believed and be accepted by the people of the world. In a Christian society where God is still believed in, where the church is still important, the Antichrist cannot rise. You know, people would not accept, masses would not accept this evil regime. But in a society where Christianity is hated, in a society where Christianity is marginalized, where sin and hate-filled violence are running rampant, I tell you what, I cannot believe some of the things that we're seeing. You know, innocent people walking down the street uh, 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 assaulted and, and kicked nearly to death for no reason other than they're, they're a different race. All this happens, and it opens up the door for the Antichrist to come into the scene for people to believe in, for people to accept by the masses as the answer to the world's problems. Now, I'm not a doomsday, doom and gloom kind of preacher at all, but I believe with all of my heart, brothers and sisters, that we are on the threshold, on the threshold of the Antichrist showing up on the scene. Society is in a shambles. Society is in chaos. It's just, people are running in fear. People are running in hate. It's a horrible, horrible time. But keep in mind this, that the Antichrist is going to show up as an angel of light. He is going to deceive people. In fact, that's going to be his greatest power. Deception will be his greatest power. He's going to seem like the most loving and benevolent leader, world leader that the planet has ever experienced, and he's going to have the answer to sickness. He's going to, he's going to perform miracles, but he cannot successfully come on the scene until society has forsaken God, wholly forsaken God. Friends, that's happening as we speak. Society is forsaking God. It's been happening for years, but it's it's, it's the escalation of it is happening so fast that it's almost mind-blowing, the things that are happening so quick. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd like for you to turn with me to Daniel. Jesus referred to the words of Daniel. I want to go there just for a few minutes. It's about 735, so I've got 25 minutes. And I want to read from chapter 8 in the book of Daniel. I'm going to start reading with verses, uh, read verses 23 through 25. In the latter period of their rule, when the transgressors 
or transgression have run its course or has matured, a king will rise, insolent and skilled in intrigue. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. And he will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. And he will destroy mighty men and the holy people. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And he will magnify himself in his heart. He will even oppose the prince of princes. But he will be broken without human agency. Brothers and sisters, you need to know that the Antichrist is an anointed angel. But he is an angel of darkness that's anointed by Satan himself. He will be filled with the demonic spirit of deception. He will be filled with the demonic spirit of intrigue, which is fascination and appeal. People will find him fascinating and, fascinating and appealing and will be drawn to his words and drawn to his philosophy and drawn to his teachings and drawn to who he is. He'll be filled with the demonic spirit of shrewdness. What I'm talking about is dark wisdom. He will seem to have the answers. He's not going to appear on the scene as, you know, a, a, the devil with horns and a forked tail in a red suit. That's not how it's going to happen. He is go he's going to be someone extraordinary with supernatural powers. He's not going to show up on the scene as someone who is insidious and evil, even in an evil society, he probably wouldn't be accepted in that case. Excuse me a minute. <coughs> When will the Antichrist arise? Well, Daniel says in verse 23, when the transgressors have run their course. When will the Antichrist... The other things have to happen first, which we're seeing them happen. Rumors of wars, wars, uh, people, Christians being hated and marginalized, killed in, in, in other countries right now uh, 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 about... Uh, sickness, disease, pestilence, famines, earthquakes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then when that's that's these things happen, and they are happening, they've already begun. They're in full swing, brothers and sisters. And then the Antichrist will show up on the scene. But what will be the sign just before he shows up? And it says in Daniel twenty-three, when the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise. You want to know when the Antichrist will arise? When sin has run its full course, when wickedness is off the chain, y'all. Look at this from a couple of different translations. In the NIV, when rebels have become completely wicked. Check mark. That's already happened. How about from the complete Jewish Bible? This is powerful. When the evildoers have become as evil as possible. It's happening. Or the New Living Translation, when sin has reached its height. I don't know how much higher it can go or lower. I don't know how much more can happen to not reveal to us that sin, evildoers are as evil as possible and rebels have become completely wicked and the transgression has come to full maturity. Friends, we are on the threshold of the end times, of the Antichrist. Friends, we are living 
in the last days. We are on the doorstep of the Lord's return. You want to you know why I'm still exuberantly fired up and passionate about helping you be prepared for the Lord's return because I got a vision about the things that are going to be taking place and I'm going to be sharing that with you. We must be prepared. We must be awake. We must be alert. We must be vigilant. We must be filled with God's spirit, praise God, filled with his word, practiced in prayer and connected to the right people. Listen, connected to believers of like faith. That's what we need. Now, let me give you some good news. Oh, yeah, I'm going to bring you the straight-up truth of the end times, and it's not going to be a pretty picture. But I'm going to end every one of these sessions that we have with some good news because that's what Jesus came to proclaim, the good news. Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 28, when these things began to happen, they've already begun to happen. He says, look up. And lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. I wish somebody would praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He also told us, and I quoted and read this scripture to you in the very beginning of this lesson. He told us in John 14, 27, I leave you. And I want to read this from the Passion Translation. I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Brothers and sisters, we may be in a tumultuous wicked society where things are falling and unraveling around us, but we can have peace. Not peace as the world gives, but the peace that Jesus gives. He said, I'll leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. We need to be courageous. In many respects, I'm being courageous tonight. I'm sharing things that are exposing the wickedness of Satan and exposing his plans to the good people of God, all of you. And that puts a target on our back. That's why Resurrection Life Church is under attack by the enemy right now, because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can somebody say amen? And shout hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We can have faith. And we can be courageous because we win. Woohoo! hello. And we win because Christ won the battle. I want to close tonight's service with a reading from a book that I have been reading for some time and I now have our staff reading called God Without Religion. Every Tuesday when we have our staff meeting, we all share something from the book that's affected us, challenged us, and we have a conversation about that. This week, Deanna brought up a specific section of the book that really, it's resonated with me. I've got it marked each time I've read the book. And I want to read this closing little bit from this book because it's, listen, I know that what some of the stuff I'm sharing with you sounds like bad news. But praise God, we're children of good news. It's, the stuff I'm sharing with you sounds dark and foreboding, but we're children of the light, children of the day, praise God. It's not going to catch us off guard because guess why? We're going to be prepared for the Lord's return. And we win 
because he won. Let me read this to you. It's really pretty powerful. Olympic standards are high. In 2010, the Winter Olympic Games were held in Vancouver, British Columbia. At that time, the ski conditions were such that the downhill slalom competitors were reaching speeds in excess of 90 miles per hour during their practice runs. The average for competitive skiing at this level is usually only in the 85 miles per hour range. <coughs> Excuse me. So the Olympic Committee decided to start the skiers lower on the mountain to prevent them from reaching unmanageable speeds. As we saw in Matthew 5, Jesus invites his listeners to a spiritual Olympics of sorts. But in contrast to the Vancouver Olympic Committee, Jesus takes the starting line and places it higher on the mountain. That way, every skier finds it impossible to navigate the course. No one will ever make it down, much less earn a medal. Now stay with me. But in a surprising twist, Jesus climbs the mountain himself. Then he skis down in perfect form and earns the gold medal, sets an Olympic re record, and then hands the medal to us. Then he shouts to all Olympians, danger, stay off that mountain. Any attempt to ski it will surely result in death. Now that mountain won't disappear until heaven and earth disappear, and we should respect the mountain. We should gaze up at its peak in admiration, but we have no business trying to survive its treacherous slopes. What's he talking about? He paid the price. He did that which none of us could do. He went to the farthest ends and paid it all for you and I. I love what it said. He won the gold. And that's just an analogy. I know he didn't ski down a mountain, okay? It's just a figurative analogy. But it's, it's like he went to the place that was impossible for any human being. And he did it in perfect form and metaphorically won the medal and had the Olympic award. And you know what he did with it? He gave it to you and me. We win because he wins. Praise God. Can you give the Lord a praise if you can believe it and receive it this evening? Go ahead and praise him right where you're at. Hallelujah. We're going to continue this journey in the weeks to come. I don't intend to go to sleep on this or to let it go. Because I have a mantle and a mandate upon my life to prepare God's people for his return. As a pastor, it's, it's a mantle on my life. As parishioners, as a part of the congregation of this body of believers, I am charged to make sure that you are prepared to the very best of your ability for the Lord's return, even if we have to go through some serious troubling times. You win because Jesus won. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every single person tonight. We once again curse the spirit of infirmity that is trying to spread this insidious disease and shut down the church. But we won't have it. We say in Jesus' name, no. You cannot steal and you cannot kill and you cannot destroy. We stand on your word and we say that no weapon formed or fashioned against us shall prosper. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. 
We thank you, Lord, that with you on our side, who can be against us? Of course, the answer is implied, and the answer is no one. We're grateful to you. I pray for healing, healing for those that are sick. I pray in the name of Jesus for healing for those that are sick, utter and complete healing and health. We thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Praise God. Thousands of years ago, God spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he said, I want you to speak some words over the people. And it was really down to kind of Moses' last words as he was getting ready to go to heaven. He said, I want you to speak these following words over my people, and as you do so, I'm going to put my name on them, and I'm going to bless them. And as I speak these words over your life tonight, as you look to the Father in faith, as you look to the cross of Calvary and the finished work of Jesus Christ in faith, he's going to place his name, his power, his authority, his essence upon you, and he's going to bless you in a fresh way this evening. May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you and protect you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. I pray that you are strengthened in the love and the peace of the Lord. I call you blessed. God bless you.